It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Hey, now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome in, everyone, to one of the oddest No Shot Clock podcasts that we've ever done. Number 115 of the podcast era, and it is a feeling of incomplete as the high school season's over, but there was no closure, Mike. Yeah, it, it it's weird because, I mean, we always do the podcast with me stuck here in my little room in my apartment. But now I really feel stuck here in my little room in my apartment. <laughs> you know, nothing's different, but everything is because I've been out in a while and haven't seen any basketball, and it's it just feels really weird. Um, it felt weird overall. immediately because of when, and I don't know how you feel, but season, the regionals are are busy, and then it kind of ramps up in that sectional sectional semifinal games. Basically what I'm saying is from Monday before the sectional semifinals through, you know, the state tournament, that's two weeks, you know, the following Monday is the busiest I am in the entire year. You know, previewing the games, writing the games, going to the games, taking coaches or calls from college coaches who are scurrying around trying to find games and find players. And so it's just this mad dash two weeks that's just, the busiest of the year and it was so odd i've never felt anything so abrupt in my life just gone done you know we yeah, were at that it, yeah yeah we were at that sectional semifinal game simeon and uh young we were talking and we both had the sense that it was coming to that that there would be probably a cancellation of the fo- at least the following week and so i think that kind of helped a little bit of, of preparing for it but uh, it, it's just, uh, it's unprecedented and I, you know, we, we, we've written about it. We've talked about, you know, I've written stories and we've talked about it here a little bit. Just again, it's the coaches, the players and those teams and those communities that gear up for this one joyous moment and it's all taken away in a flash. Yeah. It was such a strange, you know, yeah, as you said, Wednesday night, we were at Lions at that game and that was weird because it just didn't feel right, even the game while it was going on. And I think looking back now, it's because everybody in there, all the fans, every 10 minutes they were getting a new message on their phone that something wild had happened. Oh, the NBA season's (laughs) postponed. Oh, Tom Hanks has coronavirus. Oh, you know. And so it makes sense now looking back. Of course all those people were like, because it just did not have the right energy and atmosphere. Right, it was off, and I think that's something everybody who like wishes. Well, I and, I and I felt it. Oh like, yeah, I, you know, personally, yeah. you know, I was like, I don't know, it, it. The whole thing is it was bizarre and indescribable from the point, for the sake of twenty years down the road, when you look back or talk about, it, or five years down the road, and you look back at the 2019-2020 season, and you're saying, remember when and it will be pretty uh, – uh, again, I, I 
I can't explain it other than I was writing a story that's going to be out here, and I compared it to a, 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 not a season recap story, but it was almost like an obituary mm-hmm. writing it. So um, it, it, it's just such an incomplete feeling. After Wednesday night, you know, I come back <clears throat> home Thursday, Friday, there were no games, and it was I had gotten to the point where I, I spent almost all day Thursday dealing with if it was going to be canceled, what was going to be played, what wasn't. Um, it was exhausting. And then it was, or wait, was that, am I confused here? Was that, the, I don't know, whatever. By the time they actually canceled it, which was, I think, around 7 o'clock, 6, six o'clock, um, I was so sick of dealing with it. I had spent something like 16 hours. I'd woken up at 7 a.m. because I heard they were having, an, I know they had an 8 a.m. meeting, the board of directors, so I needed to be ready to get the news out. So I had written stories for all three possibilities that it was canceled, that it was postponed and that it was going on. So I was ready to go. You know, I want to be first, get all this stuff going. So I get an hour of work in before they even have their board meeting. Then I spend the rest of the day with these, the IHSA had two press conferences, one in Peoria in person that I live tweeted. Thankfully, Adam Duvall streamed it from Peoria. And then they had a phone in one where statewide media called in and so I live tweet both of those. Both of those are saying it's going on. And I, the whole time I know it's not going to go on. <laughs> it's like they're doing this, but you're watching right. everything else. Like the NCAA tournament's getting canceled. Schools are shutting down, blah, 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 blah. And so I'm like. They're, they're stopping the Big East in the middle of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, at halftime of that game. So I'm like, this is just stupid. They're going to cancel it. Why do they keep saying they're not? They're not going to have any choice. And then, so, but when it finally happened, my first sense was relief. I was like, oh, thank goodness, I can put this story up that it's canceled, and I can actually get up from my desk that I've been sitting at for 15 hours dealing with this thing because I'm tired and I'm hungry. And then, after the relief set in, I got really sad uh, when I realized, you know, that I wasn't going to Peoria, that there wasn't, when you know, I love the sport, and when I realized that I wasn't going to get to finish it and all the things I missed, I got upset. But for that first 10 minutes, I was just so happy. They'd finally, you know, made a darn, made the decision and done it. So it was a weird thing like that. Um, And for those fans, the small percentage of fans or even coaches that, A, thought they should still play it under with some conditions or B, postpone it for a later date. I don't think either one of those were options, and I think the IHSA did, other than little Mike's, you know, rant here about we both knew it was going to eventually be shut down, they did try to play it out as long as they could oh, and yeah. try to come up with different avenues of doing it. And so I, I just don't think any other thing was even remotely a possibility, and I don't fault the IHSA for doing it. I think they were hand was forced and they did what everyone basically in the entire country was doing. I do know that some tournaments were played, you know, Missouri played with the limited fans and think some other States did, but, uh, I just, I didn't see any other way with way where they were at in the tournament. They still had to go through, yes, the state tournament down in Peoria, but they still had to deal with sectional games. The whole Hinsdale South Bennett fiasco was another part of it. And then, sectional championship games Friday, super sectional games Tuesday, and then the state finals for 3A, 4A the following weekend. And that was a whole week later. And we can, we have seen what happens by the hour with all of this. 
So you just knew the direction was heading, and there was absolutely zero way if they would have forced the Friday night play and into Saturday's 3A, 4A finals, there was absolutely no way, as we now know, that this week would have played out. So I don't think they did anything wrong in, in terms of how they handled it. No, you're exactly right. I mean, look, it's Monday as we record this. So the super sectionals would be tomorrow, Tuesday, and all the restaurants are closed. How are you supposed to take a team to state in Peoria? And the schools. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah, you know, boy, you know, Joe and I will be the first to criticize the IHSA about something. But other than dragging that day out a little too long, uh, I don't think there's much else they could have done. I think it, it, at some point it was out of their hands. You know, the governor's mm-hmm. closed things. It's over with. But all right. Um, <clears throat> do we have any other coronavirus? Uh, I guess one thing I did want to say, getting back to that Simeon Young game, it was it just wasn't right. And so even if they had gone through and played, it just wouldn't have felt right, you know, on that Friday night. And it's just well, been but, so uh, weird. And there were more than a few coaches. Mike that I talked to that that and I don't know if it was emotions to get into them or what it might have been, but there were more than a couple of coaches that stated if we're playing with no fans, why play it? Which surprised me a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I, I would have. It's in a weird way. I, I, I kind of wanted to see how it looked or felt with with a high stakes game with no fans it it would have been terrible I think Uh, but just to hear everything the coach is saying and yelling and the squeaks of the shoes and just this empty gym when you're so used to what we're accustomed to in March I don't know I I don't think the play would have been as good I don't I don't know I don't I don't know what it was like in Missouri maybe it was they canceled it today, finally. Yeah. So they didn't get through. I've actually been at a, at least two games with no fans. A game at Collins and then a game at Marshall. And they were actually both pretty good. <laughs> you know, my memory's bad. But I remember being surprised by how intense it was. I mean, those are interesting atmospheres. And well, yeah. They're not huge cavernous gyms and, you know, college right. arenas. So that helped. And the teams, you know, are big rivals. Public, public league. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why there were no fans. Cause it was too heated. <laughs> so, yeah. so those are cool. I, I would not have wanted to see it um, anywhere else though. All right. We, we've got some questions here. I guess we didn't give you the whole overrun. Did we? Um, maybe you did. We got, no. we're going to hit some questions and then we're going to get into a little look at next year. We, Let's call it a hastily assembled ten teams to look at. I, I would not hold us to this in the future, um, but we just we did a look. You know, I, I was nowhere near ready to look at next year. I thought we had a lot still to go. But all right, first question. Oh, yeah, I think we're gonna zip through three A, four A, just a review of what. Oh happened yeah, sorry, in yeah, we're also sectional. gonna do that after the questions. We'll kind of talk about the sectional semis. <laughs> I guess that's all we've got, right? Yeah, that's right. A little sectional semi action. Um. The first question, it's it's hardly a question. Um, it's from Stephen Collum. He is the coach at Fenger. And I don't know how many of you were following Class 1A. or look, Fenger lost in the super sectional. I never covered them this season. Um, it was bothering me constantly as they kept winning. Uh, Donovan Taylor, who is their star guard, 6'5", senior, He's going to Hutchinson College in Kansas, um, one of the top junior college programs in the country, I believe, right, Joe? 
Yes. Um, and Stephen Column had been emailing me semi-regularly for at least two years to come see Donovan Taylor. Um, I know Joe's watched some tape of him, but I know a lot of people think I ignore their team or I don't see them enough or this and that. And these are people who like text me and who I see their team two to three times a year. This is a school that got to a super sectional that has a player good enough to go to one of the best Juco's. I clearly would have been a D1 player probably um, based on that. And I never got around to see him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and, and that's a team. I, I, if there's one team that I, we talked a little bit about them on the podcast, yeah. but I definitely have not written much or anything about them. And that's probably one of the regrets of the season because that's a good story. Uh, just kind of how they, they, they battle and persevered and, 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 you know, I, I almost, I was literally a half an hour away from going to go see them. I, and I changed my mind at the last minute when they played Yorkville Christian. Yeah. Was that the regional final game? Yeah, or sectional? Sales. Sectional? Semi, maybe? Semi, yeah. And I can't remember where I ended up going that night. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's missed. It's hard my to get only, around to everybody. The only defense is there's so many teams, so many classes, and with Finger, they do have a smaller amount of kind of showcase games. Uh, but and so it became difficult and challenging, and but I do regret not not putting a little bit more of a spotlight on their season and that team. Yeah, it stinks. But I for everybody who doesn't think we don't cover them enough, there's teams we don't cover at all that deserve it. And so I'm gonna read quickly his little rundown since I think they deserve at least that much. Um, the Fenger Titans were 20 and 15, sectional champs. They won the Constellation City Championship. Donovan Taylor signed to Hutchinson. Last season, he scored 32 against Curie in the city playoffs. Uh, junior Kiwan Curry had a heck of a run during the state playoffs. And freshman point guard Isaiah Hall will need him to do more next season. He's one of the better guards in the freshman class. He played big in the upset of Leo in the sectional finals. Remember me talking about how Leo is like a shoe-in? <laughs> for the 1A state title. I mean, I bought their stock. A lot, a lot of stock. <laughs> yeah, I was ready. I would have lost big, just like the whole market's lost big on <laughs> my Leo stock because Fenger took him down. So great season, Fenger. Um, Steven was always at least, Steven Collin, the Fenger coach, was always at least kind in his emails <laughs> asking me to come see him. Um, and uh, we're I'm very sorry I did not get around. Next up, uh, another look coach. What the, look what the virus did to our basketball stock. Oh, just, crushed just it. Crushed it all. Yeah, we're, next year we're going to have to just buy penny stocks. That's all we're going to have left. It'll just be unranked teams. Um, Pat Woods, St. Charles East coach. Um, gave us a nice rundown of his season. Like a lot of us right now, he's got some time on his hands. And so he was going through and looking back at his season. You know, what went right, what went wrong, some notable things. Um, but his question here is, about the subsectional thing. Um, he wants to know our thoughts on that. Uh, his gripe comes into play when you have other teams winning regionals, um, lesser teams, he says. He'd love to hear what we think the perfect way to set up the state tournament is. That's for a different podcast and a different story to come up with a perfect way of setting up the state tournament. But he is he does have a complete, legitimate beef and argument about the subsectionals. And... I've heard this story before of, you know, the teams and the schools don't want the subsectional and have asked the IHSA and it doesn't change. So if anybody knows, like St. Charles East had to play St. Charles North 
in a regional final, which if that thing was seeded out of all what, 18 teams probably is there, you know, that they, that would not probably have happened. Um, so I don't know, but there's a way to get around it. And they, they travel during the season, you know? So it's not like they're traveling from St. Charles to Carbondale. It, it's, you know, the Rockford school air in the Rockford area in the far West suburbs out here. So I, yeah, it, it should be corrected and changed. There's no reason why they can't uh, do a normal traditional sectional seating in that sectional. Yeah. It's goofy. I mean, there were some regionals that were really far apart in foray this year that were goofy. So yeah, I, I don't, yeah, understand that at all. I'll just do it like everybody else. I think that's pretty clear. Um, next up, Greg G wants to know our three, a and four, a favorites for next year. Greg, we will save that for the last, um, segment of the podcast we'll get into next year a little bit next up jack wajda um wants to know where the state finals are going to be held next year have we heard anything if they changed it do you like the change and if they keep keep it in peoria do you like them keeping it there uh well one of the issues with not going to peoria was i did not hear my usual gossip uh, from the ihsa uh we've detailed i've at least detailed in on the podcast in the past kind of what my theory of why I think it's not staying in Peoria simply because they decided not to announce it there. They're going to announce it on April 21st, I think 21st. Um, So that's when we will know Jack on April 21st. I doubt if it will leak much before that, but the, there is a a lot more media attention this time because the Illinois media champagne, the U of I people are interested because they've, they've been writing stories about it, talking, you know, with Whitman and the AD and all those people. So it is possible we could get a leak a little sooner. There'll at least be more attention than there was when it was just Peoria and the Sears Center and, like, me and the Peoria Journal Star were the only people who cared. Yeah, I uh, we, we, we had a, devoted a pretty good section se- segment of a podcast to this, and I think our conclusion was Champagne. We've, we've made it very clear our feelings on Peoria. Uh, so maybe it's a good thing we didn't go to Peoria, Mike and I, um, <laughs> after all the, you know, I, I do have a positive thing to say about Peoria. Um, they were excellent about canceling my hotel and not charging me because I, I, for the Saturday, I usually stay, I couldn't cancel it in time. You know, I should have been charged. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just called and they were great about it. No trouble at all. And they canceled the next weekend for me, which was fine, but it was nice not to have that hassle. And then it didn't end up showing up on my credit card. So Peoria Hotels, good job. Um, yeah, I guess that'll be interesting. We'll have some big news in. I'll be very surprised if it's not in Champaign. Yeah, I would be shocked Yeah. at this point, which kind of is kind of crazy since I know I have not heard anything. I've just kind of talked myself into this corner. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. So I guess we should, who knows? I think it's probably it's more. It's based on no knowledge. Yeah, yeah it's based on uh, nothing but looking common sense in the eye. Um, next up. Oh, wow. Is this our third? Oh, no, I skipped. I should have done all three high school coaches in a row. I screwed up. Oh, well. Adam Hoover, the Clemente coach. Uh, he, he's one of many people who have asked us to extend this podcast as long as possible because they're not very busy. Uh, Joe and I are a little worried about that. I, we'll do what we can, but uh, the five hour mark, we are not going to hit Adam. Adam has some coaches, some, sorry, some questions that would have helped. Um, but they're a little difficult. Uh, first one is who are your top three coaches who can develop talent? Um, that's as far as like developing a high school athlete into becoming a scholarship player. 
Do you have like hardcore feelings on that, Joe? No, I just go through the questions because I, I just kind of lumped them together. Oh, and the second as, one was the top three coaches who can develop a team. Which coaches can get wins without having an extremely talented team? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it, it, it's it's hard to single out coaches that are truly the ones responsible for the development of players, even though it happens. Uh, yeah, I had a hard time. I only came up with one name. Who's your name? And he's not with us anymore. Gene Pingator. Um, I felt like I could, by senior year, if I just saw like the silhouette, like the shadow of a St. Joe's guard shooting, I would know it was him. <laughs> you know, yeah. they, he taught them that same, you know, shooting style and everything. And they all like Tony Freeman and they all shot the same. And I watched those guys improve. But there's a, just a there's a long list of coaches who who make the most of of yeah. I mean, there's a long list of them, and you know there's the obvious ones you know Gene Heidkamp at Bennett, but I, this is just going by who I think are the best in the game, you know, best in the sport, you know, guys like Gene Heidkamp and um, you know uh, you know even Vince Duran at York it makes the most out of that group, Mike Healy at Wheaton South. Uh, Tom Levitino at Loyola, uh, but it goes on and on. Pat Ambrose is one of the elite coaches. I, but I mean, this this list would, you know, I could go into double figures of of guys that maximize. High school is just so different. Yeah, and 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 and, 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 and I hate to eliminate a really good coach who just happens to also have talent because I think sometimes those coaches then are aren't regarded as as do you know what I mean? I mean, I, Mike Ellis to me is a terrific coach, and he's had some talent, and he's maximized that talent. They've gone to Peoria the last two years. Uh, you know, Robert Smith at Simeon is—I know everybody's going to say, "Oh, he's got talent every year," but if you watch Simeon over the years, you would know the progression his teams have made, and he has won with some lesser-known players, even though they're always talented. You know, he's won without Jabari Parker and Kendrick Nunn. He's won without, you know, Derrick Rose. Uh, so, you know, again, this this list could go on and on. There's a whole boatload of coaches. I, I did uh, a thing years ago in my old hoops report ranking high, the high school coaches, which is kind of a absolutely impossible task to do. But there's just a whole truckload of, of real high-quality coaches out there. There are three this season that I think to the to Adam's question of who can get wins without having an extremely talented team. And they had talent, but this year, if you look at my number one and two in the final rankings, Curie at number one and Thornton at number two, mm-hmm. um, they have one Division One player between them. And he's very good, right. Remy and Hinton. But to yeah. sit, be sitting at the top, the one and two in the Chicago high school basketball rankings – with that, I mean, Loyola's got two D1 players. Thornton has none. Uh, Notre yep. Dame's got, I mean, I mean, to me, those guys, Ty Streets and Mike Oliver slash Larry Wallace, um, did a heck of a job, those two, yeah, ma- maximizing no, what they've got. Yeah, and that goes back to last year. You know, I do a City Suburban Hoop Support Coach of the Year, and Mike Oliver was last year's winner. And you mentioned, that's another topic, you know, with Curie, just, their what they were able to handle and do 
post Mike Oliver's suspension was pretty remarkable. And then Ty Streets is clearly uh, one of the handful of guys that are in the coach of the year running this year, which I'll have you know a story and announce that uh, later this week, actually, uh, for this year's coach of the year. 25 years, Mike. I, I was working on it. And the old city suburban hoops report, which, you know, I just have had 24 recipients. I was looking and this is the 25th year of uh, player of the year, coach of the year, team of the year, all that stuff. So this was the uh, 25th year in Peoria. Would have yeah. Been. So you guys were uh, uh, together. Right, together. That, uh, the, other coach, and buddies. <laughs> the other coach I wanted to mention uh, was Chris Pickett at Kankakee this season. Mm-hmm. Um, 27 and four, finished the season 16. This is not a team that we expected much out of this season. I thought they'd be all right because I liked when I'd seen them last year, the juniors. But, I mean, they put together a heck of a season. Would have given Morgan Park a great game in that sectional final. And there's not a D1 senior on that team. Um, That's tough to do. And I got one more coach. (laughs) Mike Taylor at Marion Catholic. Just for the fact, (laughs) I don't know if there's ever been a coach or a program who has lost more key players for various reasons and still weathered the storm and persevered and won big. And I've highlighted what he's done over the years he's been at Mary Catholic, basically taking that program from absolutely nothing to being one of the more quality programs in the Chicago area. And then to kind of top it off with, we'll probably talk a little bit about it, but this win last week over Bloom, is that's a lot of credit to the coach right there uh, of a team. Yeah, and that was like a style change, and it was quite a win, uh, no doubt, absolutely a, a shocker for everybody. Um, maybe f- throw Phil Ralston in here, Glenbrook South. You know, we knew they had Martinelli, but twenty nine and five beaten Evanston with a, a kind of a very young team around him. That was a solid season, and you know, Lou Adams has only won three state titles in a row with three totally different teams. Very talented. But as any coach will tell you, it's not always super easy when you load up with uh, new players every year who have never met and who all think they deserve <laughs> D1 scholarships. <laughs> That's yeah. not as easy as it sounds <laughs> sometimes. We've seen a lot of teams go real bad in that direction. All right. Next up, Tawan Hamilton. Mike, why couldn't the state basketball tournament be pushed back until May or June? I guess we didn't address that directly, Joe. Um, well, what were you going to practice? I mean, it's just you, you lose everything. You can't do that. I mean, I May, mean, it looks like we're still not going to be doing anything. Two And two months of no basketball, that doesn't really even make – yeah. Yeah, just too long. Um, all right. The last question was Nick Philman. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I didn't get the text ones up. Um, Nick Philmani was asking about our top 10 teams to watch. Um, that is um, something we're going to hit at the end. We mentioned that. And apologies here. I'm getting up the um, questions from Twitter that I sent Joe. Okay. Oh, here's one from Dale Chapman. It occurs to me Morgan Park could have been Adam Miller, Brandon Watson. Uh, sorry, Marcus Watson. Brandon Weston, Namari Burnett, Siri Lewis. It's quite a starting five. And Young's championship team could have been Jaleel Okafor, Paul White, Miles Reynolds, LJ Peak, and Joseph Toy. 
Are there other super teams that never existed due to transfers? Well, DJ Stewart and Bryce Hopkins this year at Fenwick yes. would be a pretty sensational team. Um, that's a historical question that usually takes me a little wild research, but I've got one very close to my heart. Um, 2000, 2001, I think 2000, 2001, Joliet Township, who was number one for most of the season. Um, we did not have a center. We had Jabari Saunders. His dad coached at Bolingbrook. Um, but we had Jabari Saunders, a six, four kind of, he was actually a great defender and he defended in the post very well, but he was our center. Guess who could, it wasn't how I see this wasn't a transfer technically, but it feels like one. Michael Thompson at Providence, the McDonald's all American. Oh, his mother worked at Joliet central. His brother went to Joliet central. He, we could have had a McDonald's all American at center on the team that was already number one in the area. Um, so I guess not a transfer. Sorry, I thought I had one. He never did. Um, <laughs> Wishful thinking. Yeah. Alondo right. Tucker was a block away. He could have been on that team as well. Um, transfers, though. Who else? Hmm. I. You got nothing? I, I, I got nothing. Now, granted, I just did not do my due diligence and read that question before the podcast, so... I didn't give it a lot of thought. Uh, I'm just trying to think of high-profile transfers. Would would Landers Nolly have been on um, the Curie team that won? No, no, no. They won with him. They won with him. But would he have Uh, still been there last year? No. No, he's a – yeah. Well, he was a junior. No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't remember what year he is. They won it. When he was a sophomore. Yes. So would would he have been a senior last year? Yes, because he's a freshman at Virginia Tech. So imagine that team with him. Yeah. They, they were number one most of the season. Yeah. So there's one. <laughs> we got Landers Nolly at a – and he had a good year, didn't he, in college? Yeah, he started out with a bang. and and uh, But, yeah, and you, I mean, the Morgan Park thing is interesting because Siri Lewis has had a really big time – Oh, he has. I have not A year. Him. Oh, wow. He's got a high major offers now. Uh, Kansas State just offered. So that is, um, you know, a heck of a, five, a starting five. At, at, if you go Siri Lewis, Brandon West, and Marcus Watson, and uh, Adam Miller. Uh, next up, Zane Bando. What was the biggest upset of the IHSA playoffs, and who is a team to watch out for next year that no one is talking about? Biggest upset, Joe. I, I think it just the pure upset of who I saw all year in the two teams, West Aurora over Obansi Valley was pretty big. That's a 14 seed over a three. So it's the biggest seed wise, but West Aurora really struggled. If you, if you saw West and them beating Obansi Valley was a, a shocker to me, even if it was on their home gym and staying right in Aurora, I think East Aurora proved, you know, to be one of the Cinderella teams here, but that that at the time that that's that shocked me. Yeah, I, my in my gut that was the one, East Aurora Bowling. I mean, East Aurora does end up with over twenty more than twenty wins and everything, but I was pretty shocked by that. The other contender would be Saint Ignatius taking down DePaul. That was at Saint yes. Ignatius, but that was a shocker. Although I'm I'm not gonna lie, forget seeds or who was ranked or whatever. Bloom losing at Bloom to Marion. 
which we talked about. Uh, Marion's very good. So, and they've lost. You know, they were shorthanded. Yeah. Um. So that was the one that when I heard the score, I was most like, "Oh wow!" It was just. I mean, Bloom. They were the preseason number one. This was their big run. Losing. I mean, I tried to like put it in my own head. We're like, what if in the greatest season of Joliet basketball, Joliet Catholic Academy beat us in the playoffs? When they were Amanda. Like, imagine how much that would hurt, you know? That has to be like, Bloom didn't just lose in the playoffs and it was supposed to be their year. They lost to the Catholic school down the street. That they beat beaten twice. By, by 17 Team. points yeah. both times yeah. when Marion was fully stocked. I mean, that is like that is painful times five. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if there's a weird question. <laughs> Does a stunning upset loss or just a gut wrenching defeat hurt less when the season doesn't end? Oh. Like, you know we mean? couldn't have won the state title anyway? Right. We, we, we wouldn't have played another game anyway. Like, Bloom. Because it's always worse when you watch, like, Mary Catholic come in your gym on Friday night and play in a sectional final. Does, yeah. it, does, it, does, it, does it sting a little bit less? I, I think it does, and I have, an, a, I have actual evidence. Um, I don't know if he wants me saying this on the podcast. <laughs> but um, after, you know, Young handled Simeon really well, um, in that game we were at, um, I went over and talked to Robert Smith, the Simeon coach, after the game. And this was – I'd been waiting a long time. Young had already left the locker room. And I was talking to DJ. So it was a good 20 minutes at this point after the game had ended. Um, and Robert Smith had seen everything coming across, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he did make the comment that we might have won the only championship there is this season. Mm. <laughs> the city championship, for those who yeah. don't uh, – so I think it was helping soothe <laughs> Simeon quite a bit that things might not be going on anyway. Um, yeah. So that would be my evidence that maybe. So, but you know the thing for Bloom is they didn't. I think they'd already gone through the stages of grief. <laughs> yeah. By, by the time. Yeah, they that, do, that, you know. Yeah, that stings a long time though, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, by the way, Landers Nolly was a leading scorer at Virginia Tech. Oh 15, wow. Fifteen point five as a freshman. Wow, boy, that kid could shoot it, huh? All right. Um, what do we? I, I just completely forgot where we are. Oh, well, no, no, oh, I mean, one more question. I think. Sorry. All right. I, I, I completely blanked out. <laughs> um, Norell Sims. Oh, it's a prediction question. Who do you think would have won between Curie? We're not doing any predictions about what would have happened. Um, we predicted who we thought was going to win, but at this point, it seems cruel to just to me to hoist our opinions. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, I guess this is as good a time as any to mention. Um, for for the podcast listeners at least that are like what forty minutes in now to listening, I'm okay with telling you guys this. I um, I, someone as we speak is simulating the high school playoffs. Um, he doesn't want his name. He and the company, the people, do not want their name associated with it for various reasons. Um, so you're gonna have to trust me on it. But and I'm not exactly sure how much detail I'm going to get. I'm gonna have final scores. I'm gonna have like a running score from the game. I'm not sure how I'm going to deal with it yet. I'm going to put it out there, but there will be some sort of simulated ending to the high school season. 
Michael be anointing a giving a trophy at the end. Yeah. What what happens if Juliet West wins, Joe? No one's oh, gonna believe you'll, me. You'll have a parade. Yeah, nobody's gonna believe it. They're like, oh look, O'Brien simulated it so that so Juliet West can run away with it. Which I'm gonna be pretty upset. Um anyway, um so that that you can look for that in the coming days. I'm not sure how I'm gonna deal with it, but um that's it for the questions. Let's head on over to our kind of weird feeling talk about the sectional semis. Yeah, let's wrap up those sectional semis. We'll uh, go with the, let's start with the 3A, the Scott Powers class 3A. Um first off, uh Bogan knocked off RB, pretty heavy score there, and then the game that did not happen. Hinsdale South and Bennett, which was very By strange. the way, we talked about stinging and gut punch and if anybody's played sports and knows the feeling of what that day of a game is like and leading up to a game and the minutes before a game, those kids, man, I mean, they had to go through that twice. You know, you're, you're in school, um, you know, that Wednesday, all fired up, all ready to play. And, oh, all right. And that first one, okay, we're postponing it. It's a little let down, still some uncertainty of, right up until the afternoon of Thursday and then told they are playing and then a half, I don't know how it was, 45 minutes or an hour or something before. I mean, get it pulled out from under them again is that was excruciatingly painful. Yeah. Just dragging it out there. Um, Sorry guys. Next up, uh, Morgan park and Hillcrest. This was a really good one. Hillcrest, you know, I was following on Twitter Seemed to be in the lead for the entire first half. I'm not sure when Morgan Park took control, but they wound up winning by four. Um, Hillcrest, after a season that was up and down, I think got to where they might have been no matter what. Ashley was down and up. Yeah. And that, and that <laughs> yeah. was it. Yeah. Because that's, that's that true. was Hillcrest. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, not that losses or how you finish – this team, it does bode well, though, for this yeah, team. Yeah, Because they yeah. played well down the stretch, had a couple of nice wins, played Morgan Park tough, was beating them. All accounts had them. And so they were clearly playing much better towards the end of that season. It just took them a while for a team that we both, a lot of people, uh, including Mike and I, had very high in the preseason rankings and big expectations that, that end of the season outside of it. And likely will be in the top 10 again next season to start the year, but they need to work out Marquise Irving because he's going to be playing football again. He's a football star. You know, that's his future. And they can't, I mean, everybody, they all agreed from Marquise Irving to Don Houston to all the other players that that was the problem was he just was not a football, a basketball player quick enough. He had trouble with the transition. Irving said he kind of always does. So I don't know what the solution is, but. And maybe it's not important. A sh- if, short playoff run for yeah. football. That's oh, yeah, the that'll solution. help. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, but, you know, maybe it isn't important if he's if he's fine again in February. You know, maybe just don't stress about yeah. the beginning. Um, then Kankakee just dominated Oak Forest. Everyone's favorite story, 72-51. to 51. Yeah, gonna... I, thought that, I thought it would be a toss-up. I thought Kankakee yeah. might win it, but I didn't expect it to be, you know, lopsided. They come at you. You know, Kankakee is one of those teams. Pickett's got them playing almost like the Morgan Park style where they they are a load. And if you are not ready, they right. can I get j- you. I, I just saw how they play. Now, Curie doesn't come quite at you like that. They still are very good defensively and pressure you. And Oak Forest kind of handled their 
bat pretty well in that season finale or towards the end of the season. So I just figured it, you know, they'd, they'd hang in there, be tough. Um, but that's how some games go, you know. Uh, then we're up at Lincoln. Lincoln, who Joe and I both thought was going to come out of there, had a nice 19-point win against Decatur MacArthur. Looked like that was likely. Lanfear was the other one. East St. Louis. It would have been East St. Louis, Chetham, Glenwood. I don't even remember. If, we didn't even pick that one, did we, Joe? No. No. All right. Over at, at, at Iggy at St. Ignatius, um, Fenwick just took it to Westinghouse. And what sounds like it was in a wild and crazy game. There were like four technicals or something. No handshake line. These two teams got at one, one another in like the first week of the season where I watched. They kept it up. And Fenwick just dominated. 23-point win um, in that one. I, I think, you know, Fenwick's likely top 10 next year. They had some not great losses this year, but some really great wins. And I think this playoff run sets them up for a banner year next year. I think if they, and again, we're talking about teams later, but if they stay together, this group stays together and develops like a natural team does, uh, you're going to be senior dominated next year with Pettigrew as a junior. They're not only a top 10, they're, they're top five. And it could be the best I mean, not to look at too much, but a Notre Dame-Fenwick game, if it managed to be in the state championship for some reason, could likely be better than the – it could be higher-ranked teams than the 4A. Yeah. Looking at it now, which we haven't seen since Marshall Simeon back in, like, 08 or something. Um, and then the Ignatius went over to Paul Prep. Um, Ignatius, you know, dominated UIC Prep to start the playoffs, and they had a nice win against Clemente. And then – I mean, I didn't see this coming. We we talked about them at the uh, the last podcast how they dropped those games to uh, St. Lawrence and Jones after after playing well, um, but they you know I didn't see a game story on this. I, I don't know a ton about it, but what a what a huge win for Matt Monroe and St. Ignatius. Yeah, I got a little excited because I think St. Ignatius beat Fenwick late in the season. Yeah, and then I'm like, oh okay, and, and they, that was in the midst of like a eight or nine game win streak, and I expect was kind of very positive. And then that those, that last two losses, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, so yeah, it, it was clearly a surprise. I mean, I, I really like that DePaul prep team and you know, I, I don't know much about that game. Uh, I, I'm just, that was probably that one and bloom are probably the two that surprised me the most in the sectional. Isn't that sad too, that we're both sitting here. And the reason we don't know anything about it is because it was two Chicago teams and I wasn't there. That there's nobody else. Yeah. You know, to cover this game that we can write a read a story about it. I mean, it's just that that's sad and pathetic. But so the sectional title game would have been Fenwick St. Ignatius. I mean, maybe they could have done it and it would have been at St. Ignatius. Mm. Who knows? <laughs> what could have transpired in that one? Uh then uh Niles Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame took down Deerfield by sixteen. Um, kind of what we would have expected in that one. Then St. Vider beat St. Pat's and it was a really close one. So we were not going to end up getting that Notre Dame Pat's showdown. So Notre Dame probably would have been not to overlook it, but kind of happy not to have to deal with Pat's in that title game. For sure. Um, Peoria Notre Dame rolled. We thought they would manual, uh, one at, oh no, that was in Peoria, wasn't it? So it would have been manual Peoria Notre Dame. That'd have been quite the showdown. Um, in Peoria, and then Wakanda, who we briefly mentioned in the podcast last week, knocks off Wheaton St. Francis by four points. A Wakanda Hampshire file. Hampshire beat Rockford Boylan at Boylan. 
Yeah, that, that's a that. game. When you look back, that one was taken away from us, or not us, but them. Those the Wakanda schools. Hampshire game. The winner would have been their first sectional championship ever, no matter who won that game. And maybe like changed, you know, basketball in those towns and those programs. And Hampshire's got some good young players. They do reading their game stories, and that would have been a huge opportunity for them. So yeah, kind of weird, low key way. Wakanda Hampshire not getting played is one of the more tragic stories that ends three a head on over to four a kind of do a similar run through here uh joliet west and Nico valley was close i was stressing out over this one i heard that Nico valley took 10 charges i don't know who was officiating that game <laughs> but uh joliet west pulled it out in the end by 10 points on the other side east aurora west aurora it was a massive crowd in there i hope there wasn't a a lot of spread of a, no social distancing in that gym at Lockport. That was for sure. 10 point win for East Aurora. So it would have been the Cinderella Aurora East East Aurora against Joliet West and East Aurora. It, you know, I'm now we're previewing, but I mean, yeah. it, it would have been a good, interesting matchup because they've, they've got the speed and the athleticism that we talked about, uh, in that upset win over Bolingbrook. They were able to match that. So they could bring that to the table against your boys from Joliet West. I mean, Joliet West would have been a heavy, you know, big favorite. But uh, most improved team, Joliet West. I mean, they went in five games last year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go from five to what's a shame is they could have gone from five wins to seriously playing in Peoria. Yeah. And just kind of obviously would have been a big favorite in that sectional title game against East Aurora. That has to be just because of the um, added amount of games. Going from five wins to 29 has to be one of the biggest flips in state history. Has to be. Just due to the fact that we play more games. <laughs> um, but, yeah, looking at East Aurora's road, I mean, I mean, everybody knows how, you know, once the playoffs start and you win these big games, how you just get – you're better and better and you're on a roll. And, my goodness, the road East Aurora had – they beat Oswego East, Bolingbrook, yeah. and their biggest rival – I yeah. mean, that was by no means a gimme game for Jolly West. There might not have been a hotter team in the whole state when you look at that. Yeah, I have that. You know, my column coming up, my three pointer coming up, kind of focuses on that. You know, they, they they won Oswego East game at Oswego East. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then yeah. and then beat Bolingbrook. So, and then by following seeds, they they win a nine seven game, then a nine two game, and then a then they get the luxury of the quote or the of the seeds playing a fourteen seed. But like you said, they're their biggest rival. What a what a fun put that that's making me sadder as we go through this, Joe. So many good stories we had coming yeah, in this and, state and tournament. We did, and what's interesting, you and I I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but because we didn't want to be downers. But we were talking about what storylines remember this? I think it was before our regional our regional podcast. You and I were just discussing and talking about eh, it's not not a ton of stories to follow here, and we sure enough, yeah, they the, developed. Yeah, there wasn't like a clash of titans. Oh, I know what it was. We were trying to come up with like the one game we wanted to see in the playoffs. Oh, okay, yeah, and yeah. I didn't have one, and I felt kind of bad about it. I'm like, there's nothing I really care to see. I didn't but, but like every year, it de- as it plays yeah. out, it develops in. We we got the East Aurora story. You get the, you know, on a low key level, the Hampshire Wakanda, Wakanda story, and I and you know, and, and suddenly Mary Catholic is of all those hot shot South suburban teams that we've been talking about all year. 
not that they fell off by the wayside, but you know, we talked to HF, we talked Thornton, we've talked Bloom, and we kind of quit talking about Marion Catholic and Aaron Ulis, and yeah. and here they were playing in a sectional final themselves. Boy, and you look at it. I mean, there's a way we could have had. You know, Collinsville could have been at state. A great Peoria Notre Dame team could have been at state. A great South Suburban team like Thornton, you know, could have gotten there. I mean, we could have had quite a state finals. Um, looking at this, and it, eh, what a shame. All right, Collinsville, they uh, dominated O'Fallon. Remember, they split during the year. I was wondering if O'Fallon was going to be able to handle them. They could not. 62 to 38 Collinsville was rolling through these playoffs. They were not challenged, had not been challenged yet. They would have had normal West who dominated normal in that matchup. So who knows what would have happened there in Pekin. Then over to Addison trail Lake park takes care of Geneva by nine. They get to where they should have been. They would have played Naperville central who squeaked by Glenbard East. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, that was, you know, that's the sectional we picked or I picked on. And yeah, I did pick Lake Park because I thought they were the best team in that sectional. They were the one seed. I think they would have beaten Naperville Central if you know. Uh, I, that's just a team, though. They slid off our radar a little bit after preseason ranked and having a lot of hype coming in the season. But we're on the verge of kind of living up to what they were supposed to be. <clears throat> McHenry spent a little time in the McHenry gym. I think for the first time in my life, and it was awesome. Carrie Grove beat Huntley, one of the best games I saw all year, double overtime. I have never, ever in my life seen a game. Regulation ended with Frank Jakubasek blocking the game-winning attempt. The first overtime ended with him doing the same. Different player this time, but that was kind of astounding. Jim was packed. Just a really, really great, fun game between two teams that got after it. Really defensive, gritty battle, 49-46. But Cary Grove pulled it out. They would have faced St. Charles North, who um, won a close one against Rockton Hananega. And it takes, it took, it takes you away from a, what would have been a, a really good sectional final. Oh, yeah, yeah. You Another got a couple one, yeah. of true big guys going at it uh, with Connor Linky And and uh, I, I, I don't know. I both those teams, the winner of that one to me was the one that would have gotten to Peoria. Probably. I I wonder now. Lake Park? Yeah, you know, I wasn't high. I mean, I loved the Cary Grove Huntley game, and I shouldn't be talking. I don't know, though. I, I wasn't. Well, I think St. Charles North wins. Yeah. yeah maybe I, mean, I picked so. them to get to yeah. Peoria, and I have no reason. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, because I – how many of our Peoria picks were even still alive? That might have been my only one left. <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah. Um, oh, no, I had Loyola. I had St. Charles North and Loyola still alive. What the heck did I have alive? I must have had Bloom. Well, Curie. they weren't alive. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying, yeah, Bloom was gone. I had Curie <laughs> and Joliet West at least. Evanston. Uh, Evanston. Yeah. Oh. What would the other one? Oh, who did I pick out of that one? Glenbard East or something weird? Maybe I picked Kerry Grove. I don't know. Anyway, uh, moving on. Oh, speaking of the double, Loyola, absolute domination of Niles North. Somebody I know was at this game. and uh, Oh, wait. Me. It was you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was 48-24 to 24 win for Loyola. I mean, it was it was over. Yeah, it was, it, 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 it was as quickly yeah. as – and it wasn't just the score. It wasn't like they were down 26-2. to two. It was just like the feel of it. It was – 
I can't remember the exact number of score. I mean, it was off to a quick start. Ten up. Anyway, the point is, and, and this is always the case, like a 10-point lead against Loyola or a 10-point deficit is feels like 20. And so you just knew it was over. And, and they got down 20 pretty quick. And I, I was I, – I really, really, really thought – we talked about this. Niles North matched up poorly against Loyola, but I did not anticipate just a dismantling. I mean, they, I mean, I've written about this here too, but the fact that I don't care who you are or who you're playing, they play three state tournament games and nobody scores more than 25 points against you is remarkable. They beat, you know, held Niles North at 24. I think the Quan Smart average is 23. And Niles North had just beaten Schomburg by 13. Yeah, yeah they so. so they were. It's not like they were playing badly or something. Um, on the other side, Evanston sounded like it was a really good one. Evanston beat Glenbrook South by five um, in that third matchup between those. That was two. a terrific game. I mean, that was the crowd was into it. Huge. Uh, talk about your social distancing. That was a uh, hot box sweating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With the, uh, the two teams that just went back and forth. The lead changes. It, it was a classic sectional game. I, I don't prefer that venue. I would, I'd rather have a never be there ever again. Uh, but it, at least it was full and and really pretty electric with those North suburban teams all go at it in one night. I liked the doubleheader. I, I wasn't sure how I'd like it. Yeah. I just you can't do it. And uh, it was I don't know, Mike. It was so they cleared the gym. The, after the first mm-hmm. game, but they didn't really clear it. <laughs> they, they just shoved everybody to like the end zone area. So if you didn't have a ticket, I mean, they were, it was like they were checking tickets. They just said, Hey, everybody who's staying for the next one, go over here. It was really odd. Uh, and then they let them in all together at the same time as the fans who were at the door. So it was just this cluster. It was, it was terrible. So I don't, that's what's surprising. They used to do, there used to be a lot of doubleheaders on the sectional final. When I was, well, okay, this is a long time ago now. I'm old, but they, that's what they did at the Joliet sectional when I was like a senior. But there, there was no going out and coming. Everybody, you bought a ticket, you saw both games. Um, yeah, that wasn't happening here. Yeah. And I, I, then to that point, I don't like it that way because then it's, I don't think everybody gets a ticket then. It would have you know to be I mean? a big enough place. Right. No, exactly. And this is not. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, but I I think the doubleheaders are to me, these games are too important to give one team a day advantage. I think I, I disagree. Yeah, I because like the doubleheaders. I I, I I I like that the seed higher seed gets the the benefit. I don't like the doubleheaders simply because of what we're talking about. I like them a in high school gyms, and b you you can't find enough big venues to to host. A doubleheader. I mean, it's a Tuesday, at, Wednesday nights. So the crowds aren't always huge. If no, but in the, it, but in the, in the in certain sectionals, yeah, it can get. It, there. It's just, I mean, I, I, you know, East Aurora is huge. Lions is huge. I mean, there's some gyms that are huge that would it would work, but there's not enough of them. I think there's enough for four A to have enough, and I don't. Not, I mean, I don't know what Robert Morris holds. Yeah, I don't either. I, I have no idea. It's not small, but I, I don't think do anything for the higher seed. I mean, and how many games does that even apply? Do they get through? And if so they, the one seed? yeah, and if but if they lose, if they lose, then the the lower seeds getting a benefit over the two. Yeah, but I mean, I, so I don't think that's worth a format. 
I, I, I like it. Play, play, plus, you get to see it. You know, you, I, I want to – no. I like it. I like to get to a different sectional. But you said you liked the doubleheader. No, I did this, this night. <laughs> yeah. I liked it. But I like it. The, the the random sporadic one. So I got two games in on Tuesday, and then I got to go to Wednesday. Yeah. If if we got doubleheaders, then I only – So if it was only doubleheaders, you wouldn't like it. Right. Okay. Noted. Next up, Mount Prospect. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Could you, do, could you stagger them if the doubleheaders, you played half of them on Tuesday, half of them on Wednesday? Then you'd like that? Well, because then they're, 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 it's good for me and it's good for your whole, your yeah. just and fair thing because they'd all be playing the same, you know, the two Wednesday night teams would be playing Friday. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be fine. All right. Works for me. And I, and I actually don't mind the idea of having a hot ticket. You know, maybe everybody can't get in and it's sold out and it's got some buzz and it's like a big deal, an event people want to go to. I think the IHSA could use some of that. But I'm just saying, if you did that doubleheader that we just had, the Niles North, um, Loyola, Evanston, Evanston, you would would have so many people from those communities, if you just sold one ticket, that would not have been able to see it. What if they, but it should have been at the Niles West gym. Yeah, because even this setup, the it was one of the worst sectional experiences of my life. <laughs> yeah, I know you really disliked that. Joe was uh, texting me when he got there, and he's like, "This is not good." <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a drummer, the drummer yeah. boy. I, I I criticized on my tweets, and I, it was just obnoxiously bad. And then they had twelve rows of chairs set up behind the basket. They're not oh, on. Yeah, ris- I remember they're that. They're not on. Yeah, they're yeah, not yeah, on yeah. risers. They're not on. Yeah. They're not on. There's no slope. It's just 12 chairs of people sit like nobody sat there. They just stood on them or stood behind. It's just, it, it sucked. Craig Anderson was there, the IHSA executive director. So I, wonder I wish if, I could have, wish I would have saw him. I wonder if I he liked like, it. I thought this sucks. <laughs> as much as, uh, as you did. All right. And then now we go over to Bloom. We've already talked about it. Marion Catholic beats Bloom 47 to 45. Mike Taylor, wise man, decided, you know what? Played straight up twice and lost by 17. We'll make a change. They held the ball up by every all accounts. They slowed it down. Still got close. Still was close, but they pulled it out. They won the one that counted. On the other side, Thornton. Uh, I was pretty confident HF just couldn't hang with Thornton this season. This was a little closer than I might have thought. Still a nine-point win, but Thornton clearly um better team there. Great season from HF, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, um... You know, they, they were a preseason ranked team, but they were also a team that I knew right when I saw them at Thanksgiving. I said, oh, okay, this team's going to be – I mean, what was their record, Mike? They played – they, I looked at that schedule. They played a heck of a schedule. One of the best records they've had, 25-5. and, and five. Yeah, 25-5, and five, playing a great schedule. I would have not anticipated that when the season began. So kudos mm-hmm. to the Vikings and Mark Andotti. Me neither. Well done. And uh, let's see, Lions, Curie beat Morton by 13. Pretty solid playoff run for Morton, knocking off York. Hey, they started with Jones, who beat Ignatius. They beat them, then they beat York, and then they compete with Curie, who might be the best they, team they, around. They beat Jones by 30. Yeah. What happened to that Ignatius-Jones game? I wonder if somebody was hurt or injured. Yeah, it's... Baron um, Tracy went off. On the other side, Young beat Simeon in a game that was never very close that Joe and I were at. That surprised me. Yeah, I, I would have never have guessed that game. I and kind of a closing note on the sectional. It was pretty good, cool to see the states. You know, 
really the premier senior and player yeah. of the year. If anybody was at that game, he put on a show for about that three, you say three minute run yeah. where he just DJ Stewart of, of young just mm-hmm. took over and played like the McDonald's all American, the player of the year, the number one senior. He was, I mean, he hit three threes. He had a steal and a layup. He, he just took over the game and at, at a high level. So I guess if you told us in November that the last game we saw this season was going to be, you know, we wouldn't have known the brackets or how things laid off. If you'd have told us that the last game we saw this season was going to be DJ Stewart dominating the third quarter, I think he scored 17 in the third quarter to beat Simeon, we'd have probably thought that was a state title game. <laughs> yeah. And that I mean, was I, it. Yeah. So, Simeon and. I guess I, that's one way to look at it. <laughs> but as Rob Smith said. They're the ones that won a, won a title. <laughs> they won the only championship that was handed out. Yeah, Robert, after the game, too, Robert Smith, I don't know if anybody saw my game story, but he said it felt like the beginning of the season. And that that is what they, Simeon looked like. They just struggled to score. Ahmad Bynum was dominating the ball, taking most of the shots. Jeremiah Williams, that that was the key. Whitney Young was able to neutralize him. Um, Tyrone, In a big way. Yeah, Tyrone Slaughter, very complimentary. You know, he, he Jeremiah Williams is a Mean Streets player. He knows him well, you know, knows he's a great player. He said he knew that was the key, and they did an excellent job on uh, Jeremiah Williams. That was kind of the key to that. And, boy, that's it. <laughs> that's our that's our postseason wrap-up. That is the end of the season, everybody. That's all we had. Um, it feels Look weird. Ahead. I guess we turn the page here. That's it. It's all over. Um, 2020, 2021. In the books, all state will be out on Thursday, everybody. I'm sure you, people can yell at me about that. That'll make you feel like it's basketball season. Um, Joe and I have assembled hastily, as I said, assembled ten teams, uh, no particular order, um, but we know we're gonna be good next year. Notre Dame, Evanston. Do you want me, well? How do you want it? I'll just list them: Notre Dame, Evanston, Joliet, West, DePaul Prep, Fenwick, Mundelein. Hillcrest, Whitney Young, Simeon, North Lawndale, Nequa Valley, that's 11. Those are teams that were pretty solid are going to be in the Super 25 to start the season. Um, we've talked about Fenwick a bit. Notre Dame has just about I mean, uh, everybody back. Yeah, I mean, I, I, if you had, and a lot will change. We'll see a lot. Well, maybe we won't because of the stupid things going on. But I, I, I would anticipate if you had a – pick a preseason number one right now it'd be Notre Dame no um to me it, it's them or Evanston yeah um I, I don't know which I'd pick yeah but I couldn't see picking anybody else right now yeah if yeah Notre Dame so... had, and you see that's one of the things where I feel like they're cheated out of the playoff if I'd seen Notre Dame you know win a lot of playoff games and go to state I'd feel better about it yeah, they're a road. I just don't know how they would have lost. I mean, I know it can happen in high school basketball. I get it. But I just think their route to Peoria was so favorable when you consider the talent and the the how prepared they were with the schedule they put together this year. I mean, they had a beast of a schedule. They played every public league team imaginable. Oh, yeah. oh they had a great schedule, yeah. But the thing, they lose their Bergstrom and their point guard. Evanston loses nothing. You know, that's well, the... Yeah, but those big three are, are pretty special. They are, but to lose nobody? I mean, Sales, Bert, I mean, Sales, D'Amico, and Louis, and Louis plus 
a little bit added size. Um, but yeah, that's but yeah, why I, mean, I, I think it's, it's a toss-up. They, they lose two key yeah. guys, whereas Evanston loses nothing. Um, and then you got Loom in there, Fenwick. They're still kind of young, though, other than Hopkins. Mundelein's got everybody back. Um, mm-hmm. Hillcrest, pretty much everybody back. Julia West loses Jameer uh, Hill, but I think people don't realize how good they're going to be next year. Uh, the lower levels are loaded. You know, they got Jaden Lee. He can, he can step into that star role. They're going to be really, really good. DePaul Prep, um, their bigs have come along. They had a sophomore big this season who came in off the bench I liked. Dylan Arnett? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he played Yeah, well. the, I think DePaul Prep's going to be loaded next yeah. year. Um, that That's a team. Uh, Simeon, you know, they lose Jeremiah Williams, but boy. I mean, wait, that's got to be a number one contender. Yeah. Boy, I mean, more they, than I they realized. Yeah. Young kids, some depth. Uh, I mean, you got a backcourt of Jalen Drain, Avion Morris, and Ahmad Bynum. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen the bigs. Who knows what they could add? Um, yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting group. Um, Whitney Young, Dalen Davis played really well in that game, the freshman. And apparently he'd been playing better than a lot of us had realized because Whitney Young wasn't in town. But, you know, Tyron Slaughter was talking to me about that. About I guess he took over the starting role kind of late December. You know, he'd started early when I saw that he lost the job, but late December, early January. Since then, I guess he'd really come on, Tyrone Slaughter said. So they're going to have him back, Grant Newell. Um, Grant Newell played well in that sectional game. Yeah, he uh, did. And, they, and they've got some good younger prospects in that sophomore class that people haven't seen or talked about. So, you know, that they, they will they'll – be, they'll be – I mean, it's just hard when you – any team that loses the caliber of player of DJ Stewart is is that's just a massive loss. Yeah. Oh, Jayshon Thomas. Yeah, I knew I was forgetting somebody who mm-hmm. played well. Um, North Lawndale a lot back. Um, Chambers, the freshman, some juniors who played real key roles. They had a bit. Of, I think a di- I think they would agree a disappointing playoff run here. Um, but they got a lot back. Nico Valley returns. Uh, Pulakitis and Connor Davis. I keep forgetting his name. Yeah. They're both yeah. too common, Connor and Davis. So, oh, and their point guard, I believe, uh, is back as well. So they've got three strong players. Uh, we, Joe and I didn't talk about this in the post uh, show here, but Indian Creek returns everybody but their best player. They got four starters back from an undefeated team. So look out, Class 1A. The Indian Creek story might not <laughs> be done. Um, and we had a list of another 12 or so teams here, but we're going to leave that for. Somewhere. Next November. Yeah. For next November. Should we lie to the listeners, Joe, and tell them we're going to be back over the summer? Yeah, we're going to try to be back. Uh, for Is this the fifth year? I think it might have been our sixth. 115 episodes divided by eh, probably six. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was our sixth. Um, so, yeah, we've lied for five years in the off season yeah. so maybe an emergency podcast uh when the champagne when champagne takes the state tournament <laughs> yeah. joe and i'll be live from downtown Champ- downtown champagne <laughs> celebrating uh. the uh, press conference oh that's mean um all right well everybody thanks so much for listening all season long we appreciate it so much thank you i left everybody alone about subscribing since the first episode to the sun times. And I know a lot of you did. A lot of you came up to me during the season, told me you had, you know, emailed and sent messages. I really appreciate that. And please keep that in mind. If you're still listening this far into the podcast, um, the sun times needs a little bit of money 
from you to survive. <laughs> Otherwise, um, we're going to have nothing. And it is just 29 bucks a year. I will begin and end the season the same way, begging for money. <laughs> but um, there's a lot of news going on out there, and I'm sure uh, the Suntime subscription would not go to waste. Also, thank you to everybody that you know came up to Joe and I and introduced themselves, said they were listeners, and all the parents who sent. Joe and I were talking before the show. I don't yes. remember a season in which I received so many nice messages from so many parents. Um, yeah, I, I, I second that, you know, with parents and, and some coaches that have reached out. And, and the thing is, basically, if anybody hasn't realized this, Mike and I love high school basketball and that's what we enjoy and we love doing it. But you, you, you forget that, not forget because you, you're doing it because you know there's a lot of people that love it too. But uh, be reminded that people are appreciating the work uh, goes a long way. And uh, especially with all the, the jabs we tend to take, uh, it, it, it's very welcomed and appreciated. So thank you for all of those. And also, I mean, just, you know, Mike mentioned the subscription. And I mean, the plan is to, especially myself, is to continue to churn out, you know, as much basketball content, recruiting content, player ranking content as I possibly can without AAU being played in the spring. So there will still be content up on the, on the website uh, throughout the spring. Yeah, a lot of players still left to commit. Ramian Hinton just got his release, I saw. Scott Burgess tweeted out from SEMO. So that's a big player out there. Forget it. We'll be covering all that um, for sure. We still got Allstate to come, all that. And everybody, do your best to stay safe. Ride this thing out. And let's hope that we are back here in November ready to kick off a season and everybody is happy and healthy and ready to go. Thanks for listening.